0: This is a podcast about Jeopardy.
1: Hello, and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Emily.
0: And I'm Kyle. And this is the week of Monday, April 12th, 2021. And this week we have another special guest with us. We have Morgan Bryles, who was a uh, champion a few weeks ago. Uh, We weren't able to get her on that particular week, but we are overjoyed to have her here now. Uh, Morgan, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, guys. How are you all?
0: We're doing doing just fine. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Um, I, I loved your energy on the show. Um, and you were on when Katie Couric was guest hosting. What was that like?
2: Oh, it was so cool. She is really, she's actually very funny. I don't know if that comes off in like her, her presenting or Today mm-hmm. Show duties, but she has a really good sense of humor. That surprised me in a way. Um, she was so professional and like good at making everyone feel really comfortable while they're on stage. Um so it's good to like keep keep all the contestants from kind of like freaking out since it is like Jeopardy and like you're on the stage like for real.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and she really she loved me. I'm gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we
1: picked up on that.
0: Yeah, we we def she made that clear.
2: Yeah, she loved me, and like I didn't even notice that I was like I think just watching Jeopardy uh, on TV at home like. I would kind of dance to the Daily Double music. And I did that Mm -hmm. instinctively, like, on camera. And Katie was like, I love the shimmy. And then everyone in the studio was like, we love your shimmy. And I was like, oh, oh, yep, this is me now. This is, I'm I'm the shimmy. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, okay, I'm just going to lean into this. So that was cool. Yeah, she was great. And I was so happy I got to meet her. I'm a two-day champion. So I was on Mm -hmm. three shows. Mm -hmm. And on the third show, Katie, like, looked at my card of facts and was like, meh, Morgan, I want to ask you something different. Is that okay? (laughs) And I said, sure, uh, as long as you don't make me look stupid. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. I would never try to make anyone look stupid unless they're politicians who deserve it. (laughs) Right? She's so cool. Um, And then, so I didn't know what she was going to ask me about. But then, you know, on, like, national TV, she was like, you're so young and smart, Morgan. Do you think that's because you're a librarian? And I was like, uh, (laughs) whoa. (laughs) So I got to, like, talk about my parents and my dad. And I heard my dad cried a lot after watching that episode. So, yeah. So that was cool.
0: Yeah. Um so I guess that kind of brings up a, a question of, like, were you able to have watch parties? I, you know, obviously, we gathering in large groups is not advisable still. Um, so what, what did that look like for you?
2: Yeah, so um, my, you know, they have, like, the Jeopardy publicity team tells, like, all your you know, whoever you want them to tell, and uh, I'm a proud Agnes Scott College alumna, which is a women's college in Decatur, Georgia, and so they told, like, their alumni office, and, um, like, The class, because I'm class of 2014, so like their class officers, they were like, we're going to throw a Zoom watch party for everyone in our class to watch you. Um, And so I watched with like a bunch of people that I haven't seen in years uh, via Zoom. And so it was really cool just for like kind of a, it was like a mini reunion in a way. Um, So it was good to see all them. And then also they were like, of course, really excited Especially yeah. when I won, yeah, and then course. when I won again, you know. Um, so that was great. I did a couple Zoom watch parties actually with different groups of
1: people. So well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, shall we jump into the games?
1: Yeah, let's let's go for it.
0: Okay. So on Monday, April twelfth, we have the contestants. Allison Means, a software sales executive from Coral Gables, Florida. Drew Fox, a bartender originally from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And Dennis Chase, a biotech project manager originally from Hyannis, Massachusetts, whose one-day cash winnings totaled $25,900. And in the Jeopardy round, we get the categories Art and Artists, Former Websites, American Food and Drink, Geography and also Lakes.
1: What? What yeah. are they doing?
0: Uh, Six-letter synonyms with S in quotation marks. And Drew's Clues on Famous Families, presented by Drew Barrymore. Talking Drew's about Hollywood clues families.
2: Drew's clues. I can't Drew's think of a more perfect person to do that category than Drew Barrymore. Yes. Yeah, she did awesome.
0: She, yeah. You know, this is not directing criticism at anyone but sometimes the like celebrity reading of clues kind of falls flat doesn't necessarily you know hit the right kind of tone or just doesn't work out well i thought she did awesome and
2: sometimes (laughs) they're very slow like sting on one of my shows read all the clues very slowly from his weird house, um, and his like his sweater looked kind of like a scuba outfit. I don't know. I wasn't feeling it, and uh, and there was actually money left on the board. So mm-hmm. I now have a personal mm-hmm. reason to dislike seeing he stole money from me. When they played that video for everyone at the end, she was like, "Wow, that was really really hot." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Can I just say that was really sexy, guys? And everyone's like. All
0: right, Katie. <laughs> this, like, okay. We know, we know your brand now. So All great. right. That
2: major <laughs> thirst for Sting wasn't expecting. Hmm.
0: Which now we know, which she's very clearly okay with expressing. So it's okay that we talk about it here.
1: Yes. Yep. I am perplexed that they thought that the Coppolas were the thousand dollar clue for famous families.
0: Yeah. I'm also going to say that I think this is another category where I thought that all of the clues were of equal.
1: About equal difficulty. Difficulty, yeah.
0: So I don't don't know which one I necessarily would have put at the thousand. Like, there were ones that I missed personally, but as far as, like, being things that I think would be actually, like, more difficult trivia, I don't know that they were scaled. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We got some some throwbacks in that former websites category. Felt really nostalgic. You know, the $200 clue was talking about AltaVista, which is, I like to make that, I like to make jokes about using uh, (laughs) AltaVista with with my friends who are my age. Because, of course, if I make it to my students, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, never mind. It's not worth it. (laughs) Uh, It it was Google before Google.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But not as
1: good. Do your students say to Google things or do they say search it up?
0: Oh, no, they say Google it. For okay.
1: Sure. All right. The young, the the really young people seem to be using search up instead of Google and I it's sort of amazing to like watch language change like mm-hmm. within my lifetime, you know. Yeah. Um I've heard like dozens of elementary school and preschool age kids uh say search up such and such. Um, uh, that's because where...
0: they are they are super woke and they don't want to play into the monopoly of Google.
1: Mm, it's probably wise. Uh, yeah, GeoCities was another big throwback <laughs> <Yes>. for me.
0: <laughs> oh, I had a GeoCities.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, goodness.
0: <laughs> it really brought me back.
1: Yeah. Daily Double number one comes up in the Geogra Sea and also Lakes category at the $800 level. It's the 24th pick. Uh, and Fox finds it. He has 1600 at this point to Dennis's 5200 and Allison's 2400. So from third place, he makes it a true daily double, definitely the right call. He gets the clue, named for an 1830s explorer and linked to salt flats. This ancient lake hit 5,000 feet in elevation and covered much of what is now Utah. Um, and he tries what is the Great Salt Lake that is incorrect. This is Lake Bonneville. You're supposed to think of the Bonneville Salt Flats, which I think I had not heard of maybe a year ago, and then I heard a podcast episode about them. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Those Uh, are much
0: closer to me. I've driven through the Salt Flats a number of times. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Lake Bonneville became, over many, many centuries, the Great Salt Lake.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So that drops Fox down to zero, but that's, that's okay. There's a lot of money on the board in double Jeopardy. Uh, We've said it before. We'll say it again. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, uh, Dennis is in the lead with 8,400. Fox is at zero. Allison's at 3,000. And we have the double Jeopardy categories, the national park system, science nicknames, counting on television, double talk, British history and bill of rights uh, rights in this case spelled like the verb to write mm-hmm. W R I T E. I guess the verb to write doesn't necessarily clarify, does it? Cause you can like write a wrong right a ship. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's talking about people named William who wrote things.
1: Yes. Um, counting on television was all TV shows that had numbers in the title.
0: I feel like we had a Reno 911 clue very recently.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: Anyway, the $2,000 clue was about Reno
1: 911.
0: Classic. And they couldn't include It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because It's Always Sunny doesn't have a number in it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm sure Otherwise, they would, they have have would have. Otherwise, they definitely would have. Because yeah. they love It's Always Sunny. <laughs> uh, so Daily Double number two is in the science nicknames category. It's at the $1,600 level. Dennis locates it. He is up to 9,600 at this point. It's pick number seven. Way ahead of Drew's 800 and Allison's 3,800. And he wagers 3,400. And he gets the clue. Peter Higgs himself is among those who have expressed dislike for this religious-themed nickname for the Higgs boson. And he gets that correct with what is the god particle. Mm-hmm. So he bumps up to 12,000.
1: Yes. And he pretty much keeps that uh, that trajectory going over the course of Double Jeopardy. This was really his round. Yeah, goodness Um, gracious. Yeah. And he is also the one who finds Daily Double number three as the 29th pick. It turns out to be the very last clue of the round. They never get to that 30th one. Uh, It's at the $1,600 level of the national park system. He has $27,000 at this point to Drew's $3,200 and Allison's $7,400. And he wagers $7,000. It's a smart wager. Um, If he misses, he still will be in a lock position. The only way at this point that he could lose his lock would be if he misses. And then if they had attempted the if they'd had time to read the $2,000 clue and he'd missed that one and then Allison Mm -hmm. had gotten it, he would have lost his lock. Uh, But that's like the only scenario At this point where he loses his lock, he gets the clue. National military parks include Horseshoe Bend in Alabama and this one in Mississippi. That's alphabetically last. He tries what is Vincennes and that is not correct. They're looking for Vicksburg. Um, So he does drop down, but he's in still a lock position as as the round ends.
0: So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Dennis... Like we just said, is in a locked position at twenty thousand even. Fox is at thirty-two hundred, and Allison is at seventy-four hundred. So this
1: game is double locked, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But everyone, assuming they don't bet bigger than they should, is stuck in their positions. They get the Final Jeopardy category Olympic hosts and the clue aside from the United States. One of the two countries with two different cities that have hosted the Summer Olympics. Fox guessed what is South Korea? That is incorrect. He made a wager of thirty one fifty two, so he ended up with forty eight dollars. Allison wrote What is Australia? Which is correct. Aaron Rodgers kindly informs us that it is both Sydney and Melbourne that have hosted. Uh, and she wagered 7300 which is a larger bet than she pr- should <laughs> probably should have if she wanted to hold on to her second place. But she got it right, so, you know. And Dennis also got it correct, but with the other country, what is Germany? Uh, those being Berlin and Munich. And he wagered 2500 not risking his luck, uh, so he wins with $22,500. That's
1: right. I could not remember which countries... Uh, this was I think because I got kind of muddled thinking about mixing winter Olympics in. I haven't differentiated those very well. Mm. For the ones I was alive for, they're well differentiated, but but for the ones that I sort of learned from a list, yeah. I just sort of know there wasn't there were Olympics there. Sure.
2: And they all put Olympic host cities though, which is good, right? Even though yeah, I got it wrong, it's like South Korea has hosted two Olympics, so He's not wrong. He's on the um, right track.
1: Yeah, it's nice when it's like, when you can feel like, oh, I got it wrong, but it was a viable guess, you know. Right. So on Tuesday, April 13, we have the contestants Eric Lowe, a pastor from Northridge, California. Nora Webster, a meeting planner from Chicago, Illinois. And Dennis Chase, a biotech project manager originally from Hyannis, Massachusetts, whose two-day cash winnings total 48400 and we have the Jeopardy round categories Vice Presidents, Battery Life, Western US Cities, Going Stir Crazy, Title Waves, and Fostering Unity, "Unity" in quotation marks.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh they started out in that Title Waves category and I mean the the way the the Jeopardy writers wrote that was was clever. Uh mm-hmm. they they stuck to the theme, every one of them, you know, had to do with titles and a number of them made, like, puns about sweeping or, or tsunami or whatever. The $400 clue, though. In the 1960s, these Midwesterners earned five NFL championship trophies. Uh, no one no one gave that a guess. That was the Green Bay Packers.
2: You knew they were going to have Packers be an answer when he was hosting. <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, nobody, nobody tried it. He seemed, he was, uh, he was miffed. Yeah, And then the next clue, they swept over the NBA, winning the title every year from 1959 to 1966. Eric got in with, who are the Boston Celtics? Aaron commented, oh, you knew that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was charming. Yes.
0: Yeah, he seemed, this is his second day of taping. He seemed so much more at ease and like Mm -hmm. in it. Like last week he did great, but this week he was like, I thought he was just... Really, really good.
1: Yeah, relaxed and present. He'd kind of found his found his style. Uh-huh. Jimmy from
2: the Clue Crew said he was very excited for Aaron to come back to host because mm-hmm. he that he said he was like the coolest, nicest guy when he did Celebrity Jeopardy. So, one third Clue Crew endorsed. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's doing really well. Battery life was a very weird category. The the one that was literally about batteries.
0: I mean, trivia is trivia, you know. <laughs> it can be anything, but yeah, yeah, that one it was very specific.
2: Yeah, I was like, uh, okay, we're doing we're doing batteries. All right, the title wave was cute. I liked I liked that category mm-hmm. too. That was really well written. I agree.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Uh, we did have a triple stumper on something. I thought. Uh, kind of feel like is one of the more like common known things in American history the the vice presidents at the $800 level Daniel Tompkins his vice president during the era of good feelings was very often absent from his duties uh that's James Monroe um and I I don't know to me the era of good feelings is just a thing that's always stuck in my head as like that's an interesting thing to know
1: Hmm.
2: Right,
0: yeah, and it's always it's Monroe. Monroe's presidency is the era of good feelings.
2: Yeah, to me that was pretty like really, guys.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it just surprised me. I mean, you know what you know, and sometimes you know it, and you just can't pull it. That happened to me plenty of times. But mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, daily double number one is in the Western U.S. cities category. Uh, it's at the six hundred dollar level. Dennis finds it. It's pick number eight. Uh, he is at twenty four hundred. Noah, Noah, Nora is at zero, and Eric is at negative 200, and he wagers 1,200, so half of what he has. And he gets the clue, take the 580 from Reno to the 431, and you'll see the majesty that is this body of water. And they showed a picture, and uh, he gets it right away, that is Lake Tahoe, which if you've ever been to Lake Tahoe, you would recognize that immediately, it is very distinctive
2: and gorgeous. It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah.
0: At the end of the Jeopardy round, Dennis is at six thousand eight hundred. Nora is at twelve hundred, and Eric is at fifty four hundred. And we get the double Jeopardy categories: England, Scotland, Wales, as in like sh- shrieking uh, literary characters, movie musicals, and animal words and phrases. In that movie musicals category, we uh, we we had a, a musical that came up last week in Amy Ray's uh, quiz. At the $2,000 level, Shirley MacLaine sang, If My Friends Could See Me Now in this musical, that's Sweet Charity, which until last week, I don't think I'd ever heard of. Mm -hmm. And now it's come up twice.
1: Yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah, at the $1,600 level of that same category, uh, we had a a movie that I just watched, um, like, maybe a a couple of months ago with my kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toot Sweets and Truly Scrumptious were two of the tunes in this 1960s musical about a magical flying car. Uh, That is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is a (laughs) fascinating sort of cultural relic. Not not sure how well it's aged, but it's it's uh, it it was it was fun.
0: My wife's family loves that movie.
1: Hmm. I had
0: never seen it until I mean, were we already married when I finally watched it with them? Maybe we were. Maybe we hadn't gotten married yet, but I was like at least 20 years old. -hmm. And I, I, maybe my experience is not, is unique, but I think as someone approaching it as an adult with no nostalgia, it's not very good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it holds up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You might not be wrong.
2: It's nice having a category about screaming during this stressful last year we've had. So I was like,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, literally
2: about whales. Yeah. They understand. so I appreciated that I also yeah. have not ever seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang but my parents loved it when they were young but they never mm-hmm. subjected us to that we watched *Star Gill and the Little People a lot which is another okay. really old Disney movie But don't
1: know that one at all
2: Sean Connery's in it and huh. it's about it's about a leprechaun so <laughs> all right it's one of those all disney movies so you can watch it with your kids too
1: all right i bet it's on disney plus it is it is yeah all right there you Go we'll track it down uh daily double number two comes up as just the third pick it's in animal words and phrases which they started at the top of and worked their way down found this one at the 1200 hundred dollar level nora finds it at this point She has 2,000 to Dennis's 6,800 and Eric's 5,800, and she makes it a true daily double, as well she should. And she gets the clue, it's an umbrella-shaped mushroom, and she knows that is a toadstool.
2: Um, When I think toadstool, I think of the Mario character, Toad. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't like, like, the fact that, I know Toad is in the name, but, like, the fact that it's an animal does not register. So I know
1: that feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think
0: yeah. So. Daily Double number three is at the other end of the round. It's pick number 28. Uh, Nora finds it. It's the $1,200 level in Wales. At this point, she is at 9600 but that's third place behind Dennis's $13,200 and Eric's $18,200. Uh, they all had a good Double Jeopardy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and she wagers 4000 she gets the clue, this synonym for a mournful cry is the title of a landmark beat poem from 1956. And she knows it. She gets it with, what is Howl?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I was glad to see her come back in double Jeopardy. It was a yeah. it was a really good double Jeopardy round. I was like, yeah, Nora, she
1: got it! Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. It was, very, it was an impressive round just pretty much across the board.
1: Mm-hmm. So at the End of the double Jeopardy round. Dennis is at 16,800. Nora's at 13,600. Eric's at 18,200. And we have the final Jeopardy category, Astronomy. And the clue, as Huygens observed in 1656, a weapon in this constellation contains a nebula, one of a few that can be seen with the naked eye. Uh, Nora Guessed what is Sagittarius. Um, I'm trying to remember that's not a bad guess. I'm trying to remember what Sagittarius is. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's v- very, very logical. Totally, totally reasonable guess. She has wagered 13,200. Uh, so that's all but 400, and she drops down. Let's see, why did she wager that? I'm not really sure. Maybe she just wants to leave herself a hundred, right? Uh, it's possible. Uh, Dennis also guessed what is Sagittarius, and he has wagered ten thousand four hundred and one. He is covering an all in from Nora. So he drops down as well. That lands him at sixty three ninety nine. Eric has the correct response with what is Orion. He did not make a cover bet. Uh, he wagered no, he did not. Yeah, he wagered two thousand eight hundred, which brings him up to twenty one thousand. He gets he gets pretty lucky because Dennis would have overtaken him if Dennis had it right. Actually, come to that, so would have Nora. But since he was the only one who has it right, it doesn't matter that he didn't make a cover bet. He uh, is our champion with 21,000.
0: Yeah. Strange wagering for the most part. Um, and I think Nora had Orion written and crossed it out in 1%. Right. right. Yes, so I should have Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like. wrong. Oh, no. Really,
0: that's really hard. But also, I mean, yeah, I, I don't blame. I don't blame her. Like I went through that same thought process. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, what what could it be?" There's Orion. There's Sagittarius. There's Bootes. I think Bootes is probably a bit obscure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't Orion. think that would be
1: a final Jeopardy correct response.
0: Yeah, Orion seems to be the obvious one, but perhaps Sagittarius is the the like the right answer, but a trick, but. I like I I spent time with it and I was like I've I think I've heard of an Orion Nebula so I'm, that's what I would have gone with
2: yeah but, like Men in Black yes yeah that's yes, what that's I right. always that's think right. of Men in Black with the where they're looking for the the nebula or whatever the galaxy, the galaxy in Orion's, Orion's Belt but Orion's it's belt. on it's on the mm-hmm. cat spoiler alert for a twenty year old movie
0: <laughs> wait what. <laughs> Anyway, uh, on Wednesday, we have the contestants Patrick Hume, a project manager originally from Stoneham, Massachusetts, Carrie Statham, a retired homeschooler from Wilmar, Minnesota, and Eric Lowe, a pastor from Northridge, California, whose one-day cash winnings total $21,000. And we get the Jeopardy! Round categories, Caribbean Geography, also a Batman villain, Biblically Inspired Book Titles. The Letter of the Lawn, Hodgepodge, because they didn't want to say potpourri, and one-syllable adjectives. I enjoyed the Also a Batman villain category. I thought that was... Good category, I, definitely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh,
0: I Yet again, I thought that some of the clues were not at the right place. Like the $1,000 level, its scientific name is Toxicodendron Radicans. Patrick got it? That's Poison Ivy. I was waiting for that clue. I was waiting mm-hmm. for a Poison Ivy clue the whole
1: time. Yeah, I thought right? Joker's going to be at 200 And then I was like, there'll be like Penguin, like Poison mm-hmm. Ivy, Two-Face. Those were the ones right. I was expecting.
0: Yeah, we had we also had Scarecrow. And we also had Egghead. To me, that should have been a $1,000 clue. because like... I had not heard of that one. I I'm had, not a big Batman yeah, aficionado, but any, that, that was, was new to me.
2: Catwoman or the Riddler or any of the... Yeah, so, yeah, Egghead, that should have been... The one thousand dollar clip. agreed. Anyway, the penguin one—it was—it was a little tricky. They picked an obscure penguin species, I think. Mm-hmm. They made that one a little harder than than it might right. ordinarily be.
1: Yes, exactly. Agreed. Yep. The eight hundred dollar level is where we find daily double number one in this uh, in this category. Um, Carrie finds this one at the ninth pick. And makes it a true daily double with a thousand. Uh, Eric's at eight hundred at this point, and Patrick is at two thousand. And she gets the clue: translating the name of a Philistine god mentioned in Second Kings gives this nineteen fifty four novel about castaways its title. And she knows that one. It is Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub, I think, is the name that is being translated.
2: I learned yeah. a lot in that biblically inspired book title. So. I was like, oh, I didn't know that's where that comes from. Nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so it was a nice learning experience.
1: Yeah. I like when you have can have a good learning experience uh, watching Jeopardy when, like, you know, sort of fun facts kind of slot into things that you already knew a little bit about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense because I never knew why it was called Lord of the Flies because there's no flies in it. But if it's a You know, it's a translation of Beazelbub, then that makes sense Mm -hmm. based on the content of the book. So it's like,
1: oh. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Eric is at 2,600, Carrie's at 5,800, Patrick also is at 5,800. And our double Jeopardy categories are three named celebrities, old occupations, math talk, warm thoughts. What is your major, major is in quotation marks here, and malfunction?
0: We almost had a miss, like an unfortunate miss in that major category at the $800 level. The clue is this, Seattle Sounders are one of the 27 teams in this organization. Uh, Eric rang in and said, what is the MLS? Which, that's not incorrect, but major is in quotation marks, so you have to say major. Uh, but he catches mm-hmm. it in time to say Major League Soccer.
1: Yeah, good good catch there. I keep forgetting that Sarah Michelle Geller is married to Freddie Prince Jr.
2: I think I was I'm young enough where like I remember when they were dating and when they got married. It was like, Oh my god, that's so cute. And then they were in Scooby yeah. Doo together because he was they were Freddie and Daphne, which was cute. And like I think about it and I'm like, I'm so happy they're still married, you know? So I think mm, about them as yeah. like, they're like a celebrity marriage success story from when I was like a tween, you know? So I can never forget, I guess is what never. I'm saying. <laughs> it's too important to me. I can never forget.
1: Yeah, the, the pop culture of when you're a tween will be like with you for trivia purposes forever.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I felt like the math talk category was more like legitimately mathy than a lot of uh, a lot of Jeopardy math categories. Like you you had to actually know like the math stuff. Uh, Often they'll say a category is math, but then the clue will talk about math, but you don't really need to know anything math related to get the correct response you know it'll be like yeah. it's know, like come-
0: tangential to math yeah
1: yeah um but they had to come up with absolute value coefficient isosceles triangles uh carrie tried equilateral there um mm-hmm. yeah so i thought i thought that was that was nice because i like when they do like like a like a breadth of knowledge right. um, and don't sort of shy away from things that are kind of outside of like the biggest standbys of trivia, you know, history, geography, literature, or you know, whatever.
0: Yep, I agree. Uh, we get daily double number two in the old occupations category. It is at the sixteen hundred dollar level. Patrick finds it. He is at fourteen thousand six hundred. Eric is at ten thousand two hundred and Carrie is at seventy four hundred. He wagers three thousand. And he gets the clue. It wasn't just a purple color and flower. It was also a washerwoman. And he doesn't offer a guess. Pretty quickly declares, I don't know. And leaves it at that, uh, which I thought was a bit strange. Yeah. Um, You know, take your time. You know, try and come up with something to me, I guess. But yeah, he just determined that he did not know, and uh, that is a, that is lavender.
2: Mm-hmm. Latin. Well, that makes sense, because that's, like, the Spanish word for for laundry is lavenderia. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, why I was yeah. like, oh. So Squash. I was like, I knew that. Come on, guys.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought there were a lot of, there are a lot of purple colors that are also flowers, right? Like, mm-hmm. I thought about violet. I thought about um, periwinkle. And then lavender came to me, and I, I made the connection through French, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's you know, kind of cool," and and was pretty sure that was correct. Um, yeah, I was I was surprised he didn't attempt a guess. Um, yeah, even if you're pretty sure you don't know, it's probably better to like try to s- keep thinking about it until you run out of time. Yeah. Once yeah. you say you don't know, they kind of take your take your no and and move on. And if you'd gotten something in the next three seconds, you know, you would, you would regret it. Daily double number three is at the $1,600 level of malfunction. And Patrick finds this one as the 29th pick. Uh, there's going to be one more $2,000 clue after this, if they have time, which spoiler alert, they do. Um, he has seventeen thousand six hundred. To Eric's twelve thousand two hundred and carries seven thousand eight hundred, and he wagers three thousand again, which will not take him up to a lock. I'm trying to figure out if he could get up to a lock position without risking dropping out of first place. He couldn't. Um, Yeah, no, not he's not. He doesn't have enough of a lead to do that. And he gets the clue. In 1979, an automatic valve at this Pennsylvania facility failed to close, leading to damage to the core. And he knows that is Three Mile Island. So, he gets a little bit bigger lead heading into Final Jeopardy. I, can, I know Three Mile Island, but I'm never confident that I have the number three correct. Hmm. I know it is a single digit integer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not zero.
0: And you're such a big fan of Eminem's eight mile. You always think it's eight
1: miles. Yes, think. exactly. No, for some reason, it's six is the number that always comes to me. I'm like, three mile or six mile? Um, and usually, usually I can remember. But for whatever reason, I'm never confident that three is correct.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. The last. Clue is a triple stumper, and so going into Final Jeopardy, Eric and Carrie are at the same score as they were just at, and Patrick is up to 20,600. So they get the Final Jeopardy category, Shakespeare, and the Clue. With 4,042 lines, it's Shakespeare's longest play, and it's also the one that's been filmed the most. I think they probably, the, the contestants, at least Carrie and Eric, kinda kinda honed in on the filmed the most uh part because mm-hmm. Carrie wrote What is Romeo and Juliet? And that is incorrect. She wagered four thousand, so she dropped down to thirty eight hundred. Eric also wrote What is Romeo and Juliet, and he wagered twelve thousand two hundred, mm. which was everything. So he dropped down to zero. However, Patrick got it correct with what is Hamlet and he wagered thirty eight oh one, which was a cover bet. Uh so yeah it's uh yeah, Hamlet. Hamlet is Shakespeare's Longest Play. Mm -hmm. Um, But probably just thinking of like, hmm, right off the top of my head, what Shakespeare play do I think has been the the most movies? Romeo and Juliet comes to mind.
1: Yeah, it seems like a viable guess if you're focusing on that part of the clue.
0: But if you've ever read Hamlet, then you know it's the longest because it takes forever. so
2: long. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet's like middle, in the middle of like not as short as the comedies, but like, yeah, it's really Juliet's really, really, reasonable but Hamlet takes forever. So they've never had to read it in English class, I guess, because they would know Hamlet's the longest one.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> you can't forget that experience.
1: So good one for Patrick. I oh. Um yeah. He yeah, was solid. hmm So on Thursday we have the contestants. Lindsay Wilcox, a teacher from Louisville, Kentucky. Mark DeRosen, a civil rights lawyer from Carborough, North Carolina. And Patrick Hume, a project manager originally from Stoneham, Massachusetts, whose one day cash winnings total $24,401. And we have the Jeopardy Round categories Head for the Light, Auction, The President's Airport, This Is How We Duet, It's Friday Night. And I feel all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that one. That's adorable. A lot, of,
0: a lot of times we shake our heads at the at the Jeopardy writers, but that one was
1: good.
2: I yeah, would have no, loved I to liked. hear Alex say it.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: When he got those categories, that would be really funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Sorry to bum everybody out. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's
1: fine. <laughs> Oh, you're right. We've all had those uh, thoughts from time yeah. to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you never you never knew with with Alex when these kinds of things happened whether he was going to like get it and like do it just right or whether it would be like it was sailing over his head, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, I felt bad for Lindsay um, in the It's Friday Night category at the $600 level. The clue was take a trip to Flavortown with Guy Fieri on this Food Network show, DDD for short. She knew all the three Ds, but she put them in the wrong order. She guessed what is dives, diners, and Mm -hmm. drive-ins. Patrick got the rebound on that. It is diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yep. That was a bummer. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Flavor town.
0: Guy Fieri is one of one of those people who's just like you know, just like unapologetically himself and it's awesome. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, Yeah, man. Agreed. You, you are you. Like, go for it, man. <laughs> it's just uh...
2: It's his spikes. <laughs> and his like inverse goatee. I love it. He's great.
0: The first daily double is in the and I feel all right category. It's at the $600 level. Patrick uncovers it. He is up to 3000 Mark is at $2,000. Lindsay's at 1000 Really nice, even numbers there. And uh, he says, let's go for 1500 Fakes out Aaron Rodgers there. And only bets half of what he has instead of a true daily double. He gets the clue, this chemical compound can make things explode, but not your heart, where it eases pain, acting as a vasodilator. And he gets that correct with what is nitroglycerin.
1: Mm-hmm. I liked that they cleared the entire right half of the board before doing the left half of the board. I can't remember if they went to commercial right after clue number fifteen, but I appreciated like the nice clear yeah. three yes. columns. Very <laughs> clean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not as satisfying as like starting at the left column, going straight down it, and then kind of working to the right. Mm-hmm. But it. But I. I, I appreciated having you know being halfway through with like with three empty columns on one side and three full columns on the other
0: so at the end of the jeopardy round uh patrick is in the lead at 8100 mark is at 3000 and Lindsay is at 3400 and the double jeopardy categories are historic weapons doing movies and tv burned books gems and jewelry capital C, C in quotation marks, and money slang.
1: Burned books was more about like manuscripts Mm -hmm. being burned than about, I assumed that it was going to be about like, you know, censorship and stuff. Right.
2: Librarians, we've got banned books week every year, Mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm ready for this, you know? And then it was like Mm -hmm. mad spouses who burned manuscripts. It's like, oh, okay. Technically it's true, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah. My
0: mom's a librarian too.
2: Oh, cool. We've
0: done band book stuff.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Every <laughs> September. Banned books week.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. She has a uh she has a sweat uh sweatshirt that says librarians the th- like the thin red line between you and the FBI or something like oh. that.
2: <laughs> oh okay. Nice, nice. Like going back to the Patriot Act when it first started.
0: Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, she was like, yeah, I I don't know if I've ever told you this, but in our training, we're like, we're taught that if law enforcement comes and asks for, like, you know, checkout records that we're supposed to go in the back and just destroy destroy them. Yep. Just, like, shred it all.
2: I love that.
0: (laughs) Get rid of it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, oh, wow. Wow, Wow. my mom's an anarchist. This is awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Patriot privacy is, like, number one, so.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a little off-topic from the Burned book, but I feel like it's in the same kind of way yeah, 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 exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. I thought that was wild that Lindsay didn't know the Daily Double, but she knew Lapis Lazuli.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: Like, girl, I felt, I mean, I felt bad, because she probably just blinked on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that daily double was at the twelve hundred dollar level of gems and jewelry as the twenty-fifth pick. And uh she had sixty six hundred at that point, uh, to Patrick's nineteen thousand seven hundred and Mark's ten thousand two hundred, and she wagered four thousand and got the clue. The most prized of these flashy gems are the black ones. The actual colors can vary from New South Wales, Australia, and they had a picture of this kind of rainbow-flecked stone. She tried what is an onyx, but they were looking mm-hmm. for opal. That's an opal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but she knew lapis lazuli, right? Like, so... She'd also in the $800 level uh, that a garnet is uh, is an Arizona ruby, which I'd, I'd never heard that before.
0: Hmm. I'd never heard that either. I know it's the birthstone of January.
2: Yeah, like, it's also yeah, red, but I didn't think of it as, like, it's called that.
1: Yeah. I wonder if she, I feel like there's a couple ways you can go wrong on that Daily Double. You could see black ones and overthink it, you know, and and go to Onyx. Or also Onyx and Opal are both like four letters starts with O. So I feel like those are easy to switch if you're like a certain, if your brain is like a certain kind of like, you know, kind of verbal style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I felt for her there.
2: Yeah, I'm sure she kicked herself right afterwards. Yeah. She's like, oh, they even have a picture. Opalescent! Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that happens. We get the third Daily Double. It's pick number 29 in the capital C category. Uh, also at the $1,200 level, uh, Lindsay finds this one, too. She's at 5800 She's gotten it back. A bit. Patrick is at twenty one or twenty thousand one hundred, Mark is at ten thousand two hundred. She wagers two thousand. Which is a, a fine wager a fine wager to stay in the game for Final Jeopardy. Uh it's too little if you wanna try and compete.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean Patrick
0: is way ahead at this point anyway, so but the 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 option to try and compete for the win is to bet it all here.
1: Yeah or like all but a dollar if yeah, you really if you, if you want to make you know. sure you
0: stay in for final you can leave a hundred or whatever but anyway she wagers two thousand she gets the clue this capital lies on the banks of the world's longest river and she gets that because that i feel like was the easiest one in the category she gets it right with what is cairo mm-hmm. again i'm sure she's like ugh, <laughs> probably uh should have bet more yeah you know
1: so at the end of the double jeopardy round patrick has a lock game with 22100 he got that last $2000 clue to pull ahead
0: if she'd bet it all she'd have been at 11600
1: and, and oh it wouldn't have been a lock
0: yeah that's true it wouldn't have been a lock it would have been yeah. it would have been not a lock mm-hmm. by a $100
1: yep yeah, so Patrick is at 22,100. It's a lot game. Mark's at 10,200. Lindsay's at 7,800. And we have the final Jeopardy category, physics. And the clue, modern formulations of Newton's two most famous equations both begin with this quantity that's measured in Newtons. Lindsay has gotten it correct with what is force. F equals ma is the one that comes to mind. For me, I'm not sure what Newton's other most famous equation is. Yeah, force equals mass times acceleration. Let's see. What's the other one? Newton famous equations.
0: It's the law of gravitation.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And Lindsay has wagered 2401. She's looking to get above Mark by a dollar, which she does Mark. Uh, he had what R, and then R was crossed out and he changed it to is and then he had like one character almost written and I couldn't it looked like it was uh, Aaron Rodgers read it as n- nothing I wonder if he saw thought it was a zero I thought it was a G I thought he was maybe heading toward something about gravity and I, I thought maybe he was hoping that like G might be sufficient if that was what they were Hoping for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He wagered 10,000, so he drops down to 200 and he'll finish in third. And Patrick, with a lock game, had the correct response what is force and a zero wager. So he stays at 22,100 and is our champion going into Friday.
2: Mm -hmm. I would have bet zero, too. So Patrick (laughs) made the right choice.
1: Yes.
0: Well, in a lock position, when it's close enough like that, it's like. you can wager a thousand, I guess. If you get it right, you get a thousand more bucks, which, yeah, I'm not knocking, you know, not shaking my head at a thousand dollars, but mm-hmm. you know, you're coming back. You, it, At that point, for for me, like when I had a lock game and I could have bet a little bit, I just did zero because I was like, I don't want to think about this. Yeah. <laughs> and like the, of the I,
1: risk of getting the math wrong and dropping within range, I think would yeah. terrify me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was oh. like, uh, I think, I think I could bet up to two thousand, but it's like, whatever. I'll just bet zero. Take the money I have. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And guarantee I come back tomorrow.
1: You know? Yeah.
2: So. Mark's a civil rights attorney, so he's actually the real winner in all this.
1: That's mm-hmm.
0: that's right. He gets to leave and go home, go back to a, a a job that he's like, you know, doing good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: good game, bud. You're the real hero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and on Friday, we have the contestants Danielle Henry, a marketing professional from Seattle, Washington, Dakota Lupo, a documentary filmmaker originally from Baldwin, New York, and Patrick Hume, a project manager originally from Stoneham, Massachusetts, whose two day cash winnings total $46,501. And the Jeopardy Round categories are Countries in the Dictionary, Dietary Matters, History on Ice, parts of the whole, the birds and the bees with b in quotation
2: marks. chuckle 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> I sort of got annoyed at the whole dietary matters category stuff and There was a, there were a couple of fad diet things in there. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm sorry, like people get enough of that without Jeopardy amplifying it but it's okay yeah. it's knowledge that exists in the world right it's <laughs> like
0: we know about doomsday cults yeah <laughs> not not because we think we should like we should join one but because it's trivia to know you know yep Yeah. and yes i am equating fad diets to doomsday cults
1: yeah i think that's i think that's fair
0: Either i don't know like
1: I, uh which is like which has killed more people i don't know that's it's an interesting question. Yeah. Someone we'll, do the math.
0: We'll never know, really.
1: Yeah.
2: I would have done bad in this round if I was a contestant. They were <laughs> hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> so thankful that I was watching it on my couch because I would not have
1: done well.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's some days that are like that. Like, wow. Wow, I, I just I just missed all of that.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Parts of the whole turns out. Turned out to be about golf, which I was like, "Where are they going with that?"
0: Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is a family show, Emily,
1: especially with the Birds of the Bees right next to <laughs> right, it. Right, like, right. Like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I uh, am not a big golf aficionado, so I, I struggled with that category a little bit.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, but they did okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Daily Double number one comes up in the History on Ice category at the $600 level, and it's the 14th pick. Danielle finds this one and uh, makes it a true Daily Double. She has 1200 to Patrick's 2800 and Dakota's 1400 and she gets the clue. In 1969, the Manhattan broke through ice between Baffin Bay and Point Barrow, Alaska to traverse this Arctic Passage. She tries what is the Bering Strait, but that's not correct. Uh, the Northwest Passage is what they're looking for here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, mm-hmm. in school we were taught the Northwest Passage was like a myth. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, what?
0: That's that's exactly <laughs> the thought I had because I <laughs> that, I asked a question in a quiz a couple months ago about the mythical Northwest Passage, which I guess you would ha- you would need to have made. The Northwest Passage, like the Manhattan, did in 1969. Yeah, like you would, yes, you would yeah. have to have broken through the ice in order to create that. Whereas back in the day, when explorers were looking for it, didn't have the kind of power to do that.
2: Right, mm-hmm. they yeah. just got abandoned by their crew in the <laughs> Hudson Bay.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I was, I was like, what? I thought that wasn't supposed to be real. But yeah, I guess, I mean, Baffin Island, I mean, it it checks out when you think about it. But Mm -hmm. I I would not have guessed that. Yeah, I probably would have said Bering Strait, too. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Patrick's in the lead with 7,200. Dakota has 2,600. Danielle has 1,800. And we get the double Jeopardy categories, European Geographic, Blow, Paris. How many... How many pre-categories? It's getting really excessive at this point. Latin phrase book, chapters in nonfiction books, dissecting the lyrics, and Native Americans. I found chapters in nonfiction books to be really hard.
2: (laughs) It was not my day this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't take classics. I took German in school, so Latin phrase book also... Yeah. Not my strong suit.
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I guess some schools do offer Latin. I have, to my knowledge, never attended or worked at a school that offered Latin. But oh.
1: mm-hmm.
2: my schooled. high school had Latin, and, and I was foolish and I took German instead.
0: Ah, how dare you take a living language! I know, right? Ugh. <laughs> instead of a dead one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was very popular. Like it was. Spanish had the most students, but then followed by Latin, I think, because the the theory was that you would do better on your SATs,
1: so that's why a lot
2: of people took it, not because they had, like, they were, like, wannabe classicists, Mm
0: -hmm. and then
2: French and then German was at the very bottom, so I was like, I want to keep this program alive, this will be my language
0: Uh, that I learned in high school. That's noble of you, that's good. Thank you. As a music teacher who is constantly having to advocate for the existence of a program, I admire that and appreciate that when students take that on themselves, even though that shouldn't be their responsibility. But but that's I digress. That is not what this podcast is about. That's what my other podcast Mm -hmm. is about. Let me tell you. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding. I don't have another podcast. I was, like,
1: awesome. getting excited to listen to your other podcast.
0: Where yeah, I just complain about how arts in school are not supported. Anyway.
1: Would listen.
2: Uh, yeah, it'd be a good one. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, yeah, it might last. An, it might it would be one episode, and I would basically just complain for an hour.
2: <laughs> they would be like, more!
0: More, Kyle! <laughs> we want to hear you bitch and moan! <laughs> more! Okay, uh... What?
1: um morgan has already said this wasn't her category so like kyle did you have any uh like did anything click for you about the 1600 hundred dollar level of chapters in nonfiction books uh the clue there is elsa meets other wild animals and it was a triple stumper the response was born free and a i've never heard of it what i know i've never heard B, of it. <laughs> the wikipedia page has like three sentences so is this a thing that people know did uh, they just... I've did, never is it, heard of
2: that book, ever.
1: Is it somebody's, like, favorite obscure thing on the writing staff, and it snuck onto a board? Like, what happened? Is there... Yeah. A, it, I don't know. <laughs> if you're on Twitter, and you feel like this was a reasonable thing for the Jeopardy writers to ask, like, please come explain it to us. We would like to know Gently how... and yeah. politely. Yes. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I, I had no idea. I was like, Frozen. What right, is this yeah, about? Right, it made me look
2: Frozen, and I was like, it's, Frozen is not a nonfiction book.
0: Right, <laughs> and it was born free, and I was like, huh, What? how about that? So with that, actually, I expected the uh, $2,000 clue to be a real humdinger. So that's, that is where we find Daily Double number two. Uh, Danielle uncovered it. She was at 8600 Patrick was at 6000 and Dakota was at $6,600. Uh, she wagered 2000 so the value of the clue which uh, honestly, if I had gotten that and having followed, you know, born free, I'd have been like, eesh, I don't know. Uh, maybe zero, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Or five, whatever the minimum is. She gets the clue Everest Summit, May 10, 1996, 29,028 feet. She gets that correct with what is Into Thin Air, which I know that book, <laughs> but the 1600 <laughs> seemed, yeah, it seems a- a- wildly obscure.
1: Never heard of it. Mm -hmm. Yep. I sort of maybe thought in Latin phrase book that they should have given it to Patrick. The clue there was in vitro at the $1,200 level. In vitro refers to scientific work done in test tubes. This similar Latin phrase is applied when living creatures are used. They were looking for in vivo. Um, Patrick said in utero. So he was like, I think, thinking of like fertility treatments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right um Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's i mean it's inside like yeah i'm like i'm not convinced that there's (laughs) anything about in utero that is that truly eliminates it as a correct response i see in vivo is a is a better response Mm -hmm. but i think in utero is like an okay response that fits like it's not it's it's similar ish to in vitro in that it's you know same two words same same first word same ending of the second word used in similar context as well yep dealing Mm with uh pregnancy yeah infertility so Uh so yeah i i i I sort of thought they should give that to him um it ended up not making a difference but i was like "Mm, like the clue wasn't specific enough to specifically exclude in utero i think the parts did albeit not as well Daily Double number three comes up in that Latin Phrasebook category at the $800 level as the 27th pick, and Patrick finds it. He wagers 4,000 of his 11,200. Uh, Daniel's at 10,600 at this point, Dakota's at 7,800. So a miss is going to drop him into a close third place, but if he gets it, he'll be in a much better lead. He gets the clue literally, good faith. This two-word phrase has come to refer to the authenticity of credentials or official documents, and he knows that is bona fide. Bona fide, Mm -hmm. yeah. Bona fide. Mm -hmm. fide. Yes. He's
0: bona fide. Um, That always makes me think of, "Oh, brother, where art thou?"
2: (laughs) So Patrick did well again. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Especially, especially at the end. Right at the end, he uh, that that daily double helped, but uh, yes. last five clues or so, he really really took the took the reins there. Mm-hmm. So going into final Jeopardy, he is in the lead at seventeen thousand six hundred. Dakota is at seventy eight hundred, and Danielle is at ten thousand six hundred. The final Jeopardy category is American names, and the clue: one of the luminaries who drove in the golden spike in Utah in eighteen sixty nine was this man, who later founded a university, Dakota. Wrote who is B Young, not as a command, but referring to (laughs) Brigham Young, I believe. Uh, That is incorrect, and he wagered all 7,800, so he dropped down to zero. Danielle also wrote who is Brigham Young. Uh, She wagered 7,001, which would have gotten her a dollar above Patrick's starting score in final, Uh, and so she drops to 35.99. Patrick made a cover bet of 36.01, also writing who is Brigham Young. Mm-hmm. Which you know,
2: wild—they all miss this one.
0: I mean, if I get, I get it. You see, Utah,
1: Utah, man, and man, university, university. You,
0: like university named after someone, but
2: railroad,
0: B- <laughs> BYU. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's also consider Baldwin, New York, Stone of Massachusetts, Seattle, Washington. I guess, like you know, Danielle is from the West. Maybe she would know better. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, the correct response is Leland Stanford who was the president of the Central Pacific Railroad, and as Aaron Rodgers pointed out, later founded the, the school in the Bay Area that gets beat by Cal all the time.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, so, they, yeah, they were looking for Stanford. Stanford. Even Stanford. You know, I wonder if the Jeopardy! writers purposely included Utah to try and misdirect, because yeah. you don't need Utah in the clue when you say drove the Golden Spike. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't, yeah, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Um,
2: yeah, I get why they've all picked that one, because also you don't want to leave it blank, so like I could oh, see why yeah. like, you'd just be like, okay, like Utah University, okay, but mm-hmm. it's got to be one of the railroad guys, so yeah. I mean. Yeah,
0: but it, I mean, if you don't know railroads, then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. go with the only name that comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. Although I'm fairly certain Brigham Young did not actually found that university.
2: No, he did fairly, not.
0: Fairly certain he was He did
2: dead. not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think another good guess would have been Vanderbilt, because that's another railroad baron with railroad a university. Guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so I knew it had to be one of those two.
0: Nice. Patrick still wins, making him a three-day winner. And that's the end of the week. And this is the time in the show where we remind you that we have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash potables. You can go there and check it out for some content. There is content there. And I will leave it at that. Also, we do appreciate your reviews and ratings on whatever particular podcatcher you use. If you write us a nice review, we will read it on the podcast during this time. Uh, So, you know, if you feel the compulsion to do that, please please do so. We always appreciate it. Uh, And we want to continue pointing you uh, in the direction of doing good things for your community and, you know, our country. Vaccines are getting out, but as we see there's still a lot of issues and i don't want to super get into it right now but uh whatever you can do to help it's always always good we point you in the direction of communityjusticeexchange.org and blacklivesmatter.com
1: absolutely so morgan you have a deep dive for us i do should we try to guess the, is it is it something from this week is it something from one of your games we can try and guess it if you'll if you'll kind of it's from this week
0: from this week all right. Are we are we talking about Lake Bonneville?
1: No. Okay. All right. What about Robert Burns? No. Okay.
0: Oh, that's Jeopardy's favorite favorite poet. Uh-huh. Are you talking about Edna St. Vincent Millay? Yes. No. Oh,
1: yeah. So correct. correct. Oh, nice Kyle.
0: Got it. <laughs> nice. Okay. I know next to nothing about that person, so I am excited to learn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Same. Um, And uh, Kyle, you're going to get ten bonus points on the quiz, if that's okay with Morgan. Morgan, that's been our practice, is that if somebody somebody correctly guesses the the topic of the deep dive, they get... That's right. You guys
2: are the the judges. <laughs> I just wrote the questions. So. All right, <laughs> perfect. Maybe that's like not the best system, but like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or the most fair. But that works with me.
0: Yeah, uh, like- it's the one I yeah. like. So
1: yeah, no, that's good. Okay. I think I think we're pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, laid so, on us.
2: All right, so the title of this deep dive is "Justice" for Edna St. Vincent Millay, poet, rebel, queer icon. Triple Stumper on April 15th, 2021's episode of Jeopardy. <laughs> so for a little background, uh, the clue that was the Triple Stumper was 2000 for Burns books. And the clue is this poet's manuscript of conversation at midnight burned at both ends in a hotel fire and she rewrote it from memory. Who is Edna St. Vincent Millay? Yes. Who was she? Let's take a look. So Edna St. Vincent Millay was born February 22, 1892, in Rockland, Maine. Her mother and father split up when she was young, and she was raised by her mom with her two younger sisters. They didn't have much money, and they did move around a lot while their mother put herself through school to become a nurse. Their mom, Cora, encouraged her daughters to be headstrong, well-read, and independent, Edna even chose to go by Vincent as a young girl, which angered some of her school teachers. <laughs> Originally intent on being a pianist, a piano instructor told her that her that, quote, her hands were too small, and so she focused on writing instead. She began writing poems as a teen and submitted them to local magazines, newspapers, and several national children's magazines, all with her mother's encouragement. Malay shot to national fame in 1912 at the age of 20 when she entered one of her poems, Renaissance, in a poetry uh, contest for the Lyric Year, which is a prominent literary magazine of the time. It was widely considered to be the best submission upon publication um, when the the best submissions uh, for that year were published in an issue, and it actually caused a scandal when it received only fourth place. Mm. Hmm. The poem's 200-plus lines narrate a person's thoughts while contemplating a vista over a mountaintop. Overwhelmed by nature and thoughts of human suffering, the narrator empathetically feels the deaths of others, feels pressed into a grave. Friendly Rain brings narrator back to the joy in life, the rebirth, or renaissance of the title. It's a beautiful, beautiful poem, and it's personally one of my favorites. And the fact that she wrote that when she was 20 is like, wow, I haven't done anything with my life. Oh, <laughs>
0: tell me about
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> a national literary star. Mm-hmm. She was also well known for her and very emphatic readings of her poems in person. She would do these all around um, New York City and in her towns in Maine. And at one of her readings slash performances, a famous, a well-known patron of the arts offered to pay for her to attend college. So it was pretty, pretty good. In 1913, Malay attended Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York. She was 21, so she was a bit older than the typical Vassar student. Vassar was a bit different than what she was used to uh, in her life with her mom. Malay had drank, smoked, and played cards whenever she wanted, uh, which was hardly the behavior of a proper lady. Vassar was a much stricter environment, kind of served as a finishing school for young women. She also dated several students while attending, and one went on to become a silent film actress later. Uh, and this is back, Vassar's co-ed now, but it was a women's only college uh, in the early uh, 1900s. After graduating, she moved to Greenwich Village in New York City which at this time was just becoming a haven for the eccentric and the bohemian types. She lived a bisexual lifestyle, openly dating men and women. In 1919, her one-act verse drama, Aria de Capo, was first performed, and at the time Chris, uh, critics considered it to be an anti-war pacifist play. Though poetry was her primary medium, she also wrote six verse dramas of the course of her life. One, titled The Lamp and the Bell, was written for Vassar's 50th anniversary celebration, which explored the romantic love between women. She spent much of the 1920s focusing on her lyrical craft. Her volume, A Few Figs from Thistles, was published in 1920. The opening poem of the volume is titled First Fig and begins with the famous lines, My candle burns at both ends, it will not last the night. But ah, my foes, and oh, my friends, it gives a lovely light. Hence the Jeopardy clue this poet's manuscript burned at both ends. Mm. The tone and lyrical content of the poems of this volume relate to a more flippancy, frankness, and cynicism, which is a contrast to the optimism of... Renaissance fits a lot with this new woman persona that comes out of the 1920s. Uh, Malay's life and poetry reflect this. The new woman, uh, you know, with bobbed hair, played cards, drank, and loved who she pleased. The Harp Weaver and Other Poems was published in 1923 and won Malay the Pulitzer Prize for poetry. That same year, she married 43 year old Eugene Jan Boschvan, a Dutch businessman with no literature background whatsoever. I think that's interesting because she had turned down several proposals from many of her literary peers years before, so I oppose his very different career choice made him more attractive to her. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: He was a proud feminist and was content to run the domestic responsibilities of the household while Edna worked on her poetry. Right. They bought a farm together in upstate New York where they lived the rest of their lives. They were married for 26 years, um, or until his death in 1949, but they had an open marriage, and Malay wrote sonnets and poems about her other lovers. <laughs> 1936 okay. was a rough year for her. Uh, she spent the winter and spring of that year working on a new volume of poetry called Conversation at Midnight. On May 13, 1936, the hotel she was staying at on Sanibel Island in Florida caught fire. Though she wasn't present when the fire began, she knew her manuscript was destroyed, burned at both ends, if you will. Impressively, when she returned home to her farm, she wrote it from memory. Uh, The manuscript was published in the next year. Also in 1936, she was in a bad car accident and injured her arm and her back. Despite surgeries and other medical treatments, Millet was in pain for the rest of her life and developed an addiction to morphine. Mm. Though she was nearly universally acclaimed in literary circles in the 1920s and very popular along similar similar in popularity to one of her contemporaries, Robert Frost, her reputation was in decline by the late 1930s. Reviews of Conversation at Midnight were mixed. Though she was a pacifist when she was younger, she was very pro-allies and pro-fighting fascism in World War II, which is an overall, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but she wrote a lot of kind of bad poetry that was supporting <laughs> the ally cause, um, and it seemed almost propaganda-esque, and that wasn't popular <laughs> with a lot of folks. Um, she wrote a lot of sonnets and in verse, so, you know, most of her poems rhyme, Um, And they have specific meter, often in blank verse, but not always. So her style of poetry wasn't cool anymore. People had kind of moved on to modernism, which was less popular, if you will. And it's much more layered in irony. So her directness was not in vogue. She also had significant declines in her physical and mental health in the 1940s, causing her to rarely write. Her husband died in 1949, and she died soon after. On October 19th, 1950, at the age of 58, she was found at the bottom of the stairs, and she had already died of a heart attack by the time um, someone had found her, which was really sad. Her last volume, Mind the Harvest, was published in 1954, so four years after her death. Um, These later poems are also considered to be some of her best, um, though they didn't get a lot of attention because her star had kind of faded um, by the time it came out. So Malay and other female poets of the time were largely forgotten, which is unfortunate, uh, but the women's movement of the 1970s have increased a lot of interest in her work, along with the biography Savage Beauty, The Life of Edna St. Vincent Malay by Nancy Milford. So if you're interested in learning more about this poetess, I would say Milford's book is a good place to start. It's short and it's very accessible. You don't have to be an English PhD to know and appreciate it. So hmm. that is basics of one of the youngest Pulitzer Prize winners, Edna St. Vincent Millay. Any questions?
1: Nice. Ooh, no, oh, that was awesome. Thank you. I, very, I knew very little about her, to be honest, which is embarrassing, because I, I tend to be somebody who knows some stuff about, you know, poetry and literature. Um, so this was this was great. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And I knew nothing about her, as someone who is very loudly proclaimed to know nothing about poetry. <laughs> so, so thank you. Yeah, no, that that helps a lot. Yeah. I, I just need to get better at poetry, but that was really interesting.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, she was so interesting. It's 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 always weird because I know she, I knew she was really really popular when she was young, and then it's like nothing kind of happened, you know. And also, I I think when we hear about her, like we think about this like wild. Gorgeous woman who dated all kinds of people and smoked and drank, which I think um, the first fig, I think kind of my candle burns bright at both ends, I think Mm -hmm. kind of summarizes that. So like when I heard the clue, I didn't know for sure that, you know, the answer. But I was like, that sounds like something she would do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was my guess. And it happened to be right. So, yeah. So I'm glad that she's kind of been rediscovered. Like, I know people my age, I'm in my um late twenties, who are really big fans of her, so I think she's kind of come back to being an on on trend, if you will, um, poet. So anyway. Yeah. But yeah, Savage Beauty is a good book, um, if you want to learn more about her very interesting life. Nice. <sighs> okay. Are we ready for the quiz?
1: We are ready for the quiz. Always ready.
2: Okay, so speaking of queer and female lyricists, let's answer some questions about singer songwriter Saint Vincent.
1: Oh.
0: oh, this is gonna be so definitely up my alley. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> Yikes! Okay, okay. Let's, let's do it. All right, <laughs> all right, all right. And uh, I guess Kyle has ten extra points, doesn't he? So.
1: Yes, oh, that's he right.
2: Does. Yes. So, question number one. St. Vincent was born Annie Clark in this city on September 28th, 1982, infamous for the destruction of the Greenwood neighborhood on May 31st, 1921.
0: I have my guess, but I I don't know for sure. And I feel like I should, because I'm pretty sure I know what this is about, but I also might be might be off.
1: I also have a guess in mind. I was gonna say Tulsa, Oklahoma. That is my guess as well.
2: That is correct. Yeah, great. <sighs> okay. Question two. Saint Vincent recorded a cover of Women and Wives for the upcoming imagined version of this man's album, three, released in 2020. Follow-ups of similarly themed albums 1, from 1970,
1: and 2, 1980. I don't know if I have a good guess, but I have a guess.
0: I also have a guess. I might have been picking up on a clue that wasn't there, though.
1: Yeah, I have the same feeling. Um, so I, I'm guessing I, I, I sort of keyed in on the word imagined, and I thought mm-hmm. maybe it's John Lennon. And if it's not, then I don't know who it is.
0: I also thought John Lennon because of that.
1: You're close.
2: It's oh. Paul McCartney. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Okay. His new album is McCartney 3. Which is follow-ups to McCartney One and McCartney Two because mm, okay. it's just all him playing. But the, like he did, there's a cover version coming out like next month or something, and it's McCartney Three Imagined. So
1: oh okay, cool. that's the
2: title. I'm sorry, but yeah, that no, would have no. been a clue.
0: That's a good question. I have not uh, paid attention to anything Paul McCartney did after I guess Wings. McCartney yeah. Two
2: is really good. It's really Ooh. good.
1: All right, I'll have to check, check it him.
2: out. It's very different. It's it's good. Okay, question three. Both Edna St. Vincent Millay and St. Vincent are named after St. Vincent's Hospital in Manhattan. Annie Clark chose this name uh, as a reference from the Nick Cave song, There She Goes, My Beautiful World, in which Cave laments the death at St. Vincent's Hospital of this Welsh poet.
0: (sighs) Well, if there's a Welsh poet, I have a guess.
1: Samesies. Uh, and I,
0: you go first, so if I'm way off, I'll just say I don't
1: know. Switch to pass. When I hear Welsh poet, I think Dylan Thomas, so that's I my also guess. thought up
0: Dylan Thomas, yes.
1: That's correct. <laughs> okay,
0: good.
2: Who else can, like... you, can anyone name another Welsh poet? No. But yeah, he had a big bender in New York City, and he died at St. Vincent's Hospital. So.
1: Huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. This oh. is embarrassing. I sang a setting of a Welsh poem by some contemporary, I think, female Welsh poet, and I have no idea what her name is. I it's... remember the name of the composer, but not the name <laughs> of the poet.
0: And Emily, in your defense, composers are much more important than poets. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Okay,
2: question four. St. Vincent attended this New England college for three years before dropping out, which counts John Mayer, Paula Cole, and Howard Shore among its alumni. And Quincy Jones, that's another one.
0: Mm. Oh, I, I have a guess.
1: I am so, trying, to, trying to find something to latch on to. Quincy Jones? Where? Mm-hmm. I have a guess, actually.
0: Uh, my guess is... Uh, Berkeley.
1: Yeah, Berkeley College of Music. College of Music. In, in Correct. Yes.
0: Okay. Good. It's like
1: you gotta be Ooh. careful. You gotta say the
2: right Berkeley. Yeah. yeah,
0: Berkeley College of Music. Not <laughs> Berkeley Music College Music. Berkeley.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's spelled different, but yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It is spelled different. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I strongly consider trying to go there.
2: Ooh. Okay. Question five. Saint Vincent released an album with former Talking Heads frontman David Byrne. Like many punk bands in New York City in the late 1970s, Talking Heads frequently played shows at this famous East Village venue.
0: Okay, I have a guess based on very little.
1: Um, I think I also have a guess, although I'm trying to, like, get, uh, get it exactly correct in my head because I'm a... Worried about like an embarrassing like mi- like slip of the tongue. Anyway, you go ahead, Kyle. That I that I have cover.
0: Okay, I have no idea if this is associated with punk music. Now, uh, the only the only like venue I could possibly think of. You said East Village, that makes me think of the Village Vanguard.
1: All right, I am thinking it might be CBGB, and it's CBGB. You are <laughs> correct.
0: I have never heard of that.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, yeah, the embarrassing slip of the tongue that I often uh, the I mean I don't know how often it comes up but BCBG is a separate mm-hmm. thing which is also a sequence of four letters. Um,
2: mm, you don't want to do a yeah. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Like.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I've never heard of that.
1: Oh, okay. All right. We are both at forty points.
0: Yes. That guessing.
1: Uh, guessing
2: the deep dive really helped you out there, Kyle.
1: It got. It did. It did I needed it. <laughs> All right. Do we have a category for our final question? The category
2: for the final question is Grammy Awards.
1: Oh, no. All right. Well, there's one strategically correct thing to do when Which is to bet it all. Which is to bet it all. So I'm betting it all. Uh, So am I. (laughs) All right. All right. Question
2: six for All the Marbles. St. Vincent won the Best Alternative Album Grammy Award in 2015 for her self-titled album. She was the first female solo artist to win since 1991. Who was the 1991 winner for this award who refused to attend the ceremony?
1: Okay. Um. Everyone who's coming to me is like way too late in the 90s. I was alive in 1991, but not paying that much attention to pop music. I just made a whole bunch of podcast listeners feel old Um, sorry guys
0: (laughs) okay I I have a name and I'm not sure it's right but I have a
1: name okay all right I have a name I made you go first on the last one so I will go first Um, I'm guessing Sinead O'Connor
0: oh my god I actually was also gonna say Sinead O'Connor
1: and that is correct oh yes (laughs) oh
0: yes oh nice I was like I know almost nothing about Sinead O'Connor, except it's the right time period, and I
2: mm-hmm,
0: I guess she seems like someone who wouldn't have gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> she tried to get her, she was nominated for four awards, and she tried to pull her name for consideration. Wow. So, yeah. i like, you know, so I hope that was like, I was like, yeah, I'll put in that but she didn't want to go, because I feel like that, that makes yeah. you think, okay, who would hate something
1: like this? Mm-hmm. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only thing that pointed me to her. I was like I, guess, I remember she was kind of like counter culture-y
1: mm-hmm. My brain spent a long time helpfully offering me Alanis Morissette. Uh, <gasps> Mine and, too. And yes. then it switched it's too early to for Bjork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bjork
2: has been nominated 8 times for that award but has never oh, won. Okay.
1: All right. So that's a that's not a terrible guess. I mean, yes. but I feel like she she goes she she goes to award ceremonies. She so does. That yeah. swan
2: dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The iconic swan dress. Uh huh. Yes, two thousand two Oscars, maybe? Someone yeah. on Twitter will tell me I'm wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs> yep. Okay.
0: All, right. Oh, all
1: right. Well we, we tied. You guys so. tied, right? We if tied. We both bad all. Yep. We tied. Funny.
0: And you know what? Unlike Jeopardy, I'm okay with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this was so fun, Morgan. Yeah, Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thanks. It was great. Thanks for inviting me on. I had a good time. Good time for trying to be a quiz master.
1: You did great. Yeah, that was a very um, good too quiz. Tricky. Yeah, I loved so switching over to St. Vincent, who I definitely am going to have to go look up after this because I'm bad at pop music. Um, cool. By pop music, I mean like learnedly category, like pop music category, like anything that is not classical music. <laughs> Uh, yeah. 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 Thanks also to our listeners for spending your time with us. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review or rating if you would be so kind. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's at patreon.com slash potent potables. And um, let your friends know that we're here and talking about Jeopardy every week, uh, especially if they're into Jeopardy.
0: You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables and on Twitter at PotentPotables1. Our email address is PotentPotablesCast at gmail.com and our website is PotentPod.com. And we will be back next week with another week of Jeopardy recaps and a deep dive. So until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker.